from the bowels of gentrified Brooklyn. In the heart of Medina, you're listening to the Bean Pie Chronicles podcast, the voice of the African-American Muslim community, who we affectionately refer to as the Bean Pie community. Here on the Bean Pie Chronicles, we're committed to bringing you straight talk, critical analysis, and the diversity and thought on American culture and politics, and a glimpse into the everyday lives of the extraordinary men and women that make up the Bean Pie community. So kick off your leather socks and unpin your head wrap. The Bean Pie Chronicles is now on the air. Yes, yes. It is Sunday, December 9th. December 9th, my son's birthday. 2018, you're in the zone, the Bean Pie Chronicles zone. I am your co-host, Brother Fahim. We have here co-hosts. Brother Idris. Idris. Asalaamu Alaikum. And we have the lovely sister Rugi. Yes. Hello. Good afternoon. So Good yeah. afternoon, one and all, one and all. Peace, peace, peace. Yeah, let's get that out the way. Shout out. Happy birthday to my son. Yeah. Sixteen years old. Amir. A nine. Yes, sir. Happy it's birthday. Powerful number nine. Oh, let's get our to uh, wrap it up. We might get our astrological reading from Sister Rugi earlier. I got him. I'm ready. Yeah, give it to him. Oh, for for my December 9th. Yeah. Oh, he's a Sagittarius. It's his time to shine this year. So take all of his opportunities and explode them and put all of his energy into them because they will come bearing gifts. Awesome. All That's right. Abundance, abundance, abundance. Now, of course, we're going to edit that out because that doesn't fit into the. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little boo boo. That's that sacrilegious. She's so amazing. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, He's he very is. That's divine. My That's my man. Touched by the light. You definitely, definitely. Indeed, indeed. So, what, what are what are the the topics? The top ten topics, or top five, or you know, top topics that's been trending. What we building on today, God? <laughs> All right. Well, so. We uh, last time on our last show, if you haven't visited or listened to that last show, please go back and listen. Um, We talked and we touched on the topic of politics. This was right before the general or I guess I don't know what kind of elections they were. That was the midterm elections. The midterm elections. This was right during the before the time of the midterm elections. Big deal. People are trying to push to change Congress and Senate um, over to a more balanced favor, basically to balance the Republican leadership that is seemingly out of control. And, you know, all of us uh, had the high crime of saying that we don't vote or didn't vote. And I swear, I know I felt uh, somewhat guilty as I watched these races all especially North Carolina right. all of the races are very close and I was like man maybe I could have played a part right. in this thing right. you know well that's a that's a good point maybe you could have played a part and it's notorious within the um black muslim community not to vote so yes have I mean, you yes I've had some great time thinking about that and I mean it's I think f- generally speaking we and I don't want to you know that we doesn't go further than myself and a few others but generally speaking i think that black people in particular muslims you know we don't have a platform so if you don't have a platform and therefore you can't necessarily make demands on politicians um the political party or the political game is not really for you unless you have you know those set the demands and how is this person representing you if you 
don't have a set of values or set of policies that impact your reality. So I think that there's this disconnect and maybe, you know, there needs to be some effort. There needs to be a discussion on uh, the African-American community and their lack of representation and the lack of um, participation in the, in the in the political system. I definitely just had to rethink that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, especially, as you pointed out, during this midterm election, there were a considerable amount of new women that became uh, went to the House of Representatives, and a, a few of them, I think, think two or three of them, as a matter of fact, happened to be Muslim. And you know, I know that that's something that you you had brought up that was uh, an, an interesting fact. Yeah. So, based on our conversation from last time, and really talking about what it means to represent the Black Muslim, I went to um, one of the women was a second second generation um, immigrant from Somalia. And um, that is Congresswoman Elon. And I went and looked into her political platform and her vision. And she has quite a few um, pledges, things that she would like to get across, things that she would like to accomplish while in Congress. And by a few, I mean over 10 things. Right. So her platform is 10 things, which is already a little bothersome because 10 things, 10 missions to accomplish. And these are not small goals within Congress. Your first year out is ambitious. Mm -hmm. And so and you're sort of covering all of the bases to tap into all of the communities who you feel include and are a part of the un- underserved, that you are as well a part of the underserved. Um, but what are you really saying and what are you really calling for? So I just wanted to take her top two, and I assume that they are top two based on how she lists them um, in her vision goals. And the first one is to guarantee access to public education. Um, so her, her way, her pathway to education for all and equal education for all and giving everybody an equal hand at the education provided in America um, is to eliminate the need to borrow from college, um, guarantee access good. to pre-kindergarten and childcare. Um, but the methods that she did, or the methods that she suggests, are student loan debt has increased um, 170%. Right. Currently, 44 million Americans have student loans, about 1.4 trillion. Right. Um, and the burden of the debt disproportionately impacts students of color and working class students. Um, student loan debt is responsible for 35% of the decline in home ownership, which is also an important point. Um, for what the black Muslim attains and wants to attain within its mission, having right. home ownership. Um, they're in debt through college education. Again, something that traditionally black Muslims avoid. Um, True. I mean, I don't, I, I, I mean, I don't feel like that hurt. That particular issue is necessarily uh, indicative of like uh, of um, a black Muslim concern. I think those are just basic um, Democratic Party party line um, issues, and they're valid. You know, they're valid, and um, 
you know, definitely the issue of a student debt and debt forgiveness and things of that nature and access to education and 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 uh, expensive uh, uh, colleges being a detriment and, you know, just saddling you with debt and makes it impossible for you to then move on and get a good job and get in, uh, buy homes and stuff. So those issues are, you know, typically just uh, pointed out as threats to achieve an American dream. Well, you know what, the thing about it that was surprising to me as a, in the way that I think it differentiated, differentiated between the black Muslim is that in many ways, the, in, the first, the educational system is the indoctrination to slavery, is to the slave mentality. So the idea of access for all into education, the idea that we uh, spew this educational system, which is corrupt, which is points, very specific point of views, which is, I mean, if you want to just put it out flatly, is a lie. I then mean, is that is that a goal? So in my thinking, in the way that I understand, a goal that would actually be more aimed and geared toward the black Muslim mm -hmm. is let's provide grants, federal grants and learning to private institutions. That would be more the focus where you can school your child you can educate your child in the means that you see fit well, instead of just pushing them into this structure that is crumbling that has been demonstrated is unsatisfactory our schooling system doesn't compete next to other schooling systems with a lot less money i mean at the end of the day i think um what we're talking about is uh well, you know, the Muslim community definitely has a uh, educational uh, aspect where we have the Sister Clara Muhammad schools and Al Madrasa Islamia and these different, uh, uh, sort of like on the same um, trajectory as the Catholic schools or other religious yeshivas, you know. So um, I think she's really more or less talking about um, uh, public school access and just general education. But um, if Muslims, a lot of Muslims, especially uh, African Muslims, second generation uh, Muslims, are do, uh, will are sending their children to public schools, and you do um, ex then expose yourself and expose your children to a lot of. Right now, there's a lot of anti-Muslim uh, rhetoric within like the history books. My kids come uh, come to me all the time saying my teacher said this or I had to correct the teacher saying that there's a lot of um, uh, uh, I would say bias and prejudice uh, uh, being projected towards Muslim children in these schools um, but that being said I mean education is definitely especially for a person like her like with the uh, immigrant background um, they definitely have the idea that education is a key component to achieving access to the American dream. Now, what you're pointing out is, you know, 
what is the purpose of education. Right. And so, the you know, uh, our guest uh, later on in the second half of the show, uh, Amatika Morgan, he's a, um, a educational director for a, a Muslim school, one of the oldest Muslim schools in uh, in New York City. They've been uh, around for over 40 years, and he'll be able to, we'll, we'll, we'll um, make sure that he chimes in on that subject matter on the purpose of education and I think that's sort of what you're what you're pointing out the purpose of education but um, you know uh, the I think the Republicans are all about like this subject matter of free what they call the school choice right and so that's basically even addressing what you're talking about being able to take that money that the government uh, allocates per student and being able to take those funds and go to the school of your choice. So maybe if you don't want your son or child to go to this public school with failing grades and beat up books or whatever the case may be, you take that money that uh, the uh, government provides for that student and take them to a private school and have them pay for it. I mean, those are the type of remedies to to the to the issues that you're um, uh, uh, mentioning, like what constitutes education or are you talking about is education and indoctrination or, or, or these are two uh, different things and unfortunately you know I think for the immigrant Muslim um, they may not necessarily have a, a, a ability to ascertain or uh, de determine which one is what which you know so you come here you want to go to American school you come from a different place you go to school to be educated into the cultural norms and the realities of this environment whereas African American Muslims you know but we tend to understand that there is a difference between education and indoctrination and um, so there is some reluctancy to send your children to public school but I think from this uh, politician's standpoint, I mean, she can't, She, I think she's just speaking just like very general because that's the way they have to handle things, you know. And also, it's also a, a narrative that um, is consistent with the American, quote-unquote, American narrative of, of the immigrant. You know, give us your tired, huddled masses, you know, where the indigenous, you know, black American, that's not... The narrative, you know what I'm saying? So we always have had this um, tension, if you will, with America. So we don't view things in the same eyes as most immigrants. And even though we may be of the same belief system, you know, um, their version of access and our version of access may be competing. So, you know, and I think that with, you know, with this platform that we have with Being Pie Chronicles, it's to kind of like dissect you know, things that are germane to our narrative and see, you know, if there's some common ground, you know, then, you know, praise be to Allah, but, you know, kind of like dissect, you know, what's similar and what's, what's, you know, dissimilar. So, um, you know, Congresswoman, you know, Omar, um, you know, she, because I, I, I'm looking at her, her uh, campaign themes and, you know, very democratic quote unquote if you will mm -hmm. universal pre-k funding to hire more teachers of color you know but the thing i have about this is like and i when i read over um the congress uh women's visions mm -hmm. is that you could replace their face with anyone right there is nothing right so your campaign part of your campaign victory is that you're the first muslim 
woman voted in Congress, but nothing about your campaign vision represents anything to do with a particular outlook that offers. So the whole point of diversity is to have this different outlook that offers and contributes so that the growth is more dynamic, the growth mm -hmm. is more nuanced, the growth holds an understanding of all people and not just one people. But if your vision sounds like the same vision of Hillary Clinton, sounds like the same vision of Joe Biden, then what separates your vision? Right. And so this is the point where, what you trying to say? Right. Like, what are you trying to really change within the system that helps your people? And what I mean by your people, I mean, even if you, your second generation Muslims who have come to America. Well, I mean, it, that, that begs the question, um, what, how do you see the political process serving you? So for most, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm making, you know, generalization, but for many immigrants, it's not, around, it's not about being dynamic, it's about access and how to serve my particular, you know, community or constituency. So it's not about doing anything like dynamically revolutionary, you know, because that is not their history. You know what I'm saying? So this is this is the tug of war, if you will. I mean, but, at the end of the day, we have to realize that um, the immigrant comes to America with the intention of um, assimilating and becoming American. Yes. And so we're, they're trying to um, eliminate as many um, points of contention as possible. So yes. that's the idea of assimilation, is to have the same values as the uh, general public. So I'm an American because I see things the way that Americans see them. Yes. You're not trying to find those points where there's a disagreement. So you want to look, what's the word that everybody's using now? Uh, uh, points of intersection points of intersection so that's what you're going to build on you're going to build on the point of intersection right. and those points where we disagree we're going to put those in our back pocket and we'll uh, maybe address them later right. and I think that that's the role of the indigenous African American Muslim we we a lot for a lot of African American Muslims uh, you know from the generation above older uh, 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 ahead of us um, becoming Muslim was sort of a revolutionary yes, act and un, unto itself yes so when you think about the Malcolm X and the Muhammad Ali's and the and the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and the positions and the Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf's and these mm -hmm. guys have taken a position that Islam has fortified them in their opposition yes. to this the, you know status quo yes and so that's a different whole that's a whole different vibe and a whole different sentiment from the immigrant who's coming here to try to you know put that the the the, the uh, conflict and also you have to also imagine that the immigrant again is coming from even the Muslim immigrant is coming from some oppressive Absolutely. a lot of oppressive Muslim regimes where like Absolutely. Islam is sort of the backdrop but it's being identified with the the leadership and rulership and dominance or what have you so they're not coming to America to re set up anything similar to that or to validate anything similar to that. So, you know, there, there's a whole different spirit uh, that's present with a lot of the immigrant Muslims that are not necessarily 
uh, that the African American Muslim would uh, uh, have a different vibe. But do you think that, um, like you said, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, do you think that there was a disservice done when they took the fight to the streets but never took it into the halls of Congress or that's a good the question. lobbying of city officials? That's a, that's a good question. Um, and that's pretty much have been the, uh, the debate from a lot of, you know, black radicals and their critique of the Nation of Islam where um, they feel that the nation of Islam was more about reform as opposed to revolution. You know what I'm saying? So um, where the nation of Islam's paradigm was, you know, basically, you know, more of a, uh, the focal point is just economics, you know, as a position, as a point for warfare, if you will. You know, um, build your economics, build your um, internal defense, be it the fruit of Islam, and, um, you know, and just, you know, wait on God to, you know, change the condition. But, you know, but it wasn't necessarily anything like overtly political. And this is where Malcolm kind of represents the the uh, the change or the shift, if you will. The break in that. The break in that. You know, because, yeah. you know, Malcolm was the most political minister to date, you know, that the nation of Islam has ever had. You know, so um, that's what I would argue. The but, most political to date. That was a long time ago. Hey, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Farrakhan, the minister, you know, he's he's political. He's political in his, yes, in his sense. Yes, he's political in a sense, but he's not like. But Malcolm, you know, he actually was trying to put together like political paradigms to address our condition, i.e. I'm going to take this issue of human rights for the, you know, for the black man and woman in America, you know, to address for redress. I mean, he was going through that. You know, yeah, level. going to the United Nations. You're going to the United Nations. Right. You know, so like nobody in the Nation of Islam, you know, since has ever, you know, taken those particular positions. Though there have people been people who've run for Congress, uh, run for you know local elected office. You know, there are people in the Nation of Islam who have done that, but nobody has had any like a, a robust political position like Malcolm. You know, and you know, and Malcolm. You know, his mind politically needs another, you know, we, we need to kind of like revisit his awakening political mind, you know what I'm saying, and what it could have been, you know, so, but because that's what I, I argue. Because I for yeah. like those, those political structures, those, even those, that structural element that is a proponent of change. Mm-hmm. And so you do have that within the black Christian or the black Baptist community. There's yes. the NAACP, yes. there's the yes. there's SNAP. There's um, all of these organizations that were founded within the basements of the church where the communities gathered and then, but, it, but their message got lost too because their message just sounded like the American message just with a black face, right? Mm-hmm. They were saying, I want access to homes. I want access to education. I want to be the equivalent to the white man mm. without saying the structure that they've created is problematic in so many ways. It would never allow me to be the equal. Right. I mean, I think what you're, I think at, at the, um, what you're touching on is the lack of connection to like black liberation theology. Yes. Yes. And so, Did no, you say can you say that again? Black liberation theology like the role of the church 
primarily um, as a instrument of redress for the condition in African American community. So it's not like right now we have like the poverty, uh, the uh, prosperity preachers right now saying, "Hey, you know, open a business, get money, blah 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 blah." Right. And uh, that's not along the line of traditions of like the Martin Luther King. Um, uh, I'm thinking of what's the um, the uh, the brother that's now that's kind of like holds that holds that. Uh, same, he's in more in the line of that tradition. He okay. supported Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders um, with the glasses and the big and the scruffy beard almost. Oh, Cornell West. Cornell West. Cornel West. Yeah, yeah, Cornell mm-hmm. West. He speaks about that all mm-hmm. the time. And um, so, no, I'm not necessarily looking for Keith Ellison right. and this uh, young lady to like fill that void. Right. And I believe that's what we're talking about. Like right. you would assume that. And you would um, hope that a Muslim in politics would be um, at the forefront of pushing, you know, not necessarily black liberation politics, but, you know, redressing the, 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 the inequalities and right. and front frontline issues. And so. But they don't have to. Right. Because all of us said here that we don't vote. Right. So mm-hmm. they don't have to address those issues because. Right. There, in a sense, it seems like black Americans who are, you know, within Islam have removed themselves and have created a subsect and sort of decided that within this subsect, we don't have to participate in this politics because this politics is not for us. And I get it. Like, why waste our energy within this um Within this structure that's set up to make us to create us to fail and right. and and be divisive and fight each other, we will come together separately and amongst ourselves. But it seems like that has not. Well, I, I think that you know you're raising a, a very very important point. Um, I think we have to look at you know how if we're going to vote how we should vote you know and there's been some you know people who you know looked at the pros and cons of voting. Um, there's one brother that, you know, somebody I champion a lot, Dr. Ali Muhammad, you know, he talks about the pros and cons of voting and that most of our people don't know how to vote. So we're not voting as a block, you know. So if we're going to vote, we should vote as a block and have agenda items, you know. And whoever that, that per- person who wants our vote, you know, like we have to put their fuel, he or she's, you know, feet, feet to, to the, the fire. fire. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's but actually, we don't vote like that. But that's actually, I, I, I beg to differ. You vote as a block. Black people vote as a block. We, we 90% of the votes of black people will go to the same Democratic candidate. No, but that's not voting as, you, see, but we, we, we have overrepresentation in the Democratic Party. Totally agree with that. But we don't have agenda items in our particular local municipalities and regions and even like who we, you know, who are we putting? Whose feet we're putting to the fire, really? See, I think the point is this. Right? I mean, who are we even inviting to the fire? I don't. I don't even want their feet there. Right. So, that's, so right. that's that's fair. that's a that's a, that's a you know like a, you guys know that I uh, uh, associate with a lot of conservatives. Mm-hmm. And the point is, <laughs> hey, listen, 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 listen. The point is that's the that's the million dollar question. Like, why are the African Americans continuing to 
continually <laughs> voting for these people. Right. Overwhelmingly, like right. yeah, it's a blank. It's a blank check. It's a blank so check. So you write Absolutely. a blank check to the Democratic Party right. for what reason? Right. You have no pol- You have no demands. Right. And what I what I would attest to is this emotionalism. Yes. You know, African Americans generally, in my opinion, play politics with emotion. Yes. So Barack Obama made you feel a certain way. Yes. You see Michelle Obama, you feel a certain way. Yes. You hear those sermons, even the preachers and whoever. I I just read um. Uh, an article uh, from a report, um, a, a study that was done by some students from Yale, and they analyzed um, the the speeches of politicians going back maybe like 70 years, talking to uh, how they talk to black uh, and Hispanic brown uh, constituencies. And they, I mean, I'm not uh, a proponent of like, you know, these studies, whatever, but at the end of the day, they said that the, the they found that the language that the politicians used spoke more about the the emotion of connectivity and like basically trying to get the poli- the, the constituents to trust them. Yes. And but when they went to speak to a white constituency, they spoke about um, policies and what yes. they can do for them. Yes. So the, the politicians understand that you go stand in front of these black people, they don't trust you, and the main objective is to get me to trust you. Trust me, and I'm going to take care of you. You go talk to these white people, they want to know, what are you going to do? Yes. So it's the whole nature of the relationship is different because we, as a, as a group, we do not vote based on politics. That's why the Democratic right. Party can get away with murder because... All you got to do is like them. Right. You don't have no demands. There's no fire on. There's no fire to hold their feet to. Right. But, but there's no choice. And that's what I feel like. Even from the, like, there's where, I don't even know where this begins. <laughs> like, for real, like, I'm like, how did, how did you even come to become a, like, even the story of Obama, that is an elusive Yes. Unicorn of a political story if I've ever heard one. Right. The first time I, but I, I will tell you something. The first time I ever heard Obama's name mentioned was in junk mail. I used to open mail as a receptionist, and I used to work for um, a conservative political nonprofit, and it said literally. Obama will be the next president. Mm. This was before, and at that point, I had to Google. I said, who's Obama? Mm. I never heard no name like Obama. And that's when I found out that he was involved in Chicago politics. But he was, basically, these people are pushed and polished and and manicured and nurtured to be these faces way before the general public even comes to know who they are. And so, see, here's another thing. Uh, and generally speaking, again, and, and uh, trying to avoid uh, overgeneralizing, mm-hmm. but there's two things that African Americans tend to be very um, not only emotional but idealistic about the nature of politics, and so Muslims in particular, you know, try to be, you know, righteous, try to be good. So like this lesser of two evils, like. The American public has been trained to accept this idea like there's a degree of corruption. This great man, this is our president. He's saying I'm going to grab him by the, you know, the P word or whatever. And so there's a there's a there's a degree of of um, corruption that's acceptable 
and immorality that's acceptable. And for Muslims, they have a hard time saying, I'm going to give that man my vote because that means to them that you're validating a lot of what this man is about. And so you have a trouble with that lesser of two evil things. A Muslim, generally speaking, is not going to, if, if you tell me I got to pick two evils, I'm, my, my option is not voting. Right. And so right. that, and that's so the conclusion that, stance, that we came to. Yeah. Right. So that stands. But how do you that. how do you I guess in a sense, you know, there's a way of and I don't want to use the word power, but how do you take your energy back? How do you how do you now cultivate the person that you want to see in office? Where does that begin? We don't have these big political machines. We don't have these huge media outlets. But what I will say is that media is becoming a lot, um, a lot bigger. The field is becoming huge. Right. Anybody can have a platform. Right. And if you say it and direct it right, there will be people who watch. So now it's like with the, the boom of technology, with the... Um, how technology has freed up so many and created this not really it's a, it's becoming to the point where it's not even about nations like this is just worldwide mm -hmm. like people who are in australia are say they're they're affected by our president P, you know and not just by immigration policies like he, he they're stressing our president is stressing them out our our president is is causing them to have heartbreak and and you know all of these types of things they want to associate with him these emotions right but and I do believe that most presidents, they just want you, as long as somebody can get you to feel something, mm -hmm. when in this society we repress our feelings and we just go about a routine, people are excited to vote for the person that makes them feel something. Mm -hmm. Something different, something new, like something else, an opportunity is out there. But how do you, how do you now, now what's your platform that you create to cultivate the person who you actually want to see? Like somebody I can actually vote for in local I mean, I think elections. The, I, I like the, you know, I think the local elections definitely. Uh, uh, there's a brother, uh, Bashir, mm -hmm. uh, out in um, Cleveland, mm -hmm. who's a friend of ours, and maybe we'll ha have the opportunity, the blessing to have him sit in with us uh, sometime soon. But he's a person that we know and love, grew up with, and he's been elected uh, councilman. Uh, in uh, Ohio, I believe, like ninth ward, seventh ward, or something like that, fifth ward, um, and I, so I think there are opportunities to get uh, people elected locally. Yes, but as far as like the big, you know, and and maybe that's where we might be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Right. So you see this, you know, you see this height of hypocrisy in, in you, you got to vote for Hillary and Trump you're like this is what just same thing you said last like like last time like I don't want these choices absolutely and so when you see these two held up as the epitome of the party they represent the party then you maybe some challenge or difficulty disassociating them from that grassroots situation right. or your local assemblyman or your local councilman and maybe that needs to be readdressed. Yeah, and I, and I think we, we totally agree, Dries. And, and I think we need to, you know, study history a little bit because, I mean, there were models that we've, you know, had before. I mean, I have to revisit the National Black Political Convention of 1972 as a model that we, we should revisit, you know, where 
it was basically, you know, um, uh, black nationalists and elected officials coming together. You know, like two opposite sides of the, you know, ideological spectrum coming in together for one cause, which is to further, you know, black empowerment within America, within the sphere of American, you know, whatever. So, you know, you got people like, you know, that married Baraka before he became a Marxist socialist, he was a nationalist, you know, on the same platform with, you know, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, suit and, you know, suit and tie type of elected officials and right. hashing out, you know, agenda items and also um, national and regional agenda items and also like, you know, if this is the type of candidate that we want <clears throat> to run in these particular elections, they have to fit this criteria. So it's, I don't think we have to kind of like, there's nothing, it's not a, a will to, you know, create. Yeah, it's not new on this. It's nothing. We did this already. We've yeah, done it. We've done this before. We just got to revisit it, you know, with using, you know, using, you know, the technologies that we have at our disposal, but well, we've done it. We've done I it. I mean, you don't have to recre- recreate the wheel, maybe. You know, there's a past that has offers a blueprint for you to follow. Right. But I definitely think that the times that you speak of then mm-hmm. are very different now. True, true. And the true. things that are matter, it's not as cohesive. And I think that I think that the big problem that you're going to have is that there seems to be a limit on who in Islam is accepted and acceptable. Mm-hmm. And well, that, 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 that cohesion is, is so then now you're creating that separatism. Mm-hmm. And that is that, that seems to be a story that we just keep coming back to in the black community where it seems and, you know, people say it in all different ways. And I, I even had a conversation recently um, with a friend of mine who said, just out flat out, black people don't support black businesses. Right. I don't even like to hear that. Right. I don't even like because it's not the truth. You're you're just you're just creating and re like you're just re reiterating some right. you know something that you heard once upon a time you're just reiterating something a a black boss who you didn't like and you couldn't get along with that's not that's not that's not even a generalization that makes sense because what we see now and again with the advent of technology and in media and communicating across the seas and across the states and being able to find like minds so quickly is that black businesses want to black people want to support black businesses not only do they want to support it that's that's their goal i was talking to somebody who's like yeah when i go to a new city first thing i do is look up what black businesses exist in that city so Mm -hmm. i can play them homage so that i can give them my energy right because no i can't change what structurally white people do but the least i can do is use my money with people who make me feel good who i want to win as well right so we can decide that we want our money to be collective but can we decide that we want it's 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 interesting it's interesting it's it's very i'm sorry no i think you're raising some some great points sis i really do i really really do i mean again I, i feel like with the idea of um with the idea of there being sort of um, an idealism uh, among uh, the Muslim community 
especially the indigenous community, um, that sense of idealism will make it challenging to sort of be pragmatic. Like American politics uh, calls for a lot of pragmatism. Yes. And a lot of compromise, you know. And uh, those things can be challenging to people that have uh, sort of like a fundamental belief system um, and also the belief that, you know, all of these decisions, every decision that you make and every um, policy that you compromise on may have some long-term, like, condemnation upon yourself. You know, you do not want to be associated with some bill or some uh, policy just based on the idea that this was a pragmatic thing to do, and then it creates and it fosters, um, like, things that go against your principles. You know, so I feel that uh, with that kind of a challenge and disposition, a lot of of our people, the African-American Muslim, there's a, a great deal of them that have sort of like stepped back and said, it's almost like a, a political, it's almost like a, a sense of despair, like this ship is going in the wrong direction and I don't want to like uh, uh, be on that ship. You mm -hmm. know, I don't want to be on that ship. I don't want to have to sign, uh, have my fingerprints or my, my handwriting saying that I approve this situation because as you're compromising oftentimes you are com compromising your values and the things that you feel are right and that's where like even I know you guys have, have an issue when I bring this up but you know um, even among the conservatives there's that's the, like the evangelical uh, right they are always concerned about you know the liberals and how much of compromise has been made to undermine the, the, the wholesomeness of America. Right. You know? So that's why they hate him. That's why a lot of those <laughs> guys hate the Obama administration because they're like, oh, this guy is sending us in direction, you know, to hell in a handbasket. Right. But you what? Uh, but but it's very funny because in what way is Obama sending you to hell in a handbasket as opposed to the representation that we have now? Whose name should not be spoken? Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on. Well, we we will have to get into you know the Muslim position and how we see, you know, uh, progressive politics, right, and conservative politics, and you know, for a lot of Muslims who are, you know, I, I would say that are kind of like studious, you know, really you know, see politics and that's just I'm just going off of my own personal, you know, view, but see politics as a tool. You know what I'm saying? And and, you know, some Muslims who are like really, you know, real studied you know, just not about their own particularly ideological position, but also their experiences in politics and, you know, they see politics as, you know, we're not particularly wed to being a Democrat or Republican, but you know, you know, because there's there's conflicts with a progressive democratic position with certain Islamic ideals, and also there's conflicts from a Republican conservative that's c conflicting with Islamic ideals. So, you know, Islamically, right. we're not wed to either or. Right. You know. So. Right. I mean, we've seen that. Right. You don't vote. Right. You don't have representation. Right. 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 And you're, but basically, in the platform, you know, has. This is why this show is here, is because the platform has 
been erased in some in some ways like this media has grown but the voice of the muslim is not is not involved all right um this is a perfect segue perfect segue we have uh, our our esteemed guest today brother amatika morgan um uh he's a man of many many uh, talents but He's currently in uh, the uh, the um, educational director of Al Madrasa Al Islamiyah, uh, one of as we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the longest running um, Muslim uh, educational institutions in New York City. I believe over forty years, forty one years, forty three years. Pardon me. And um, uh, salam alaikum, brother Amitika. Wa wa alaikum assalam. Yeah, you can bring the mic closer. Uh, thank, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, and um, I was listening to the conversation, and uh, uh, some of the things that that come to my mind in terms of um, what you were discussing is like almost the word diplomacy. Mm. You know, uh, most times that's a discussion for, let's say. That happens with nations, sovereign nations, and um, they talk about diplomatic relations. Right. And so, in diplomacy, um, sometimes people think that when you have good diplomatic relations, it means that you have a friendship. Mm. When it's not really that, it just really means it's a, a relationship where there is not war, or where the the, the outcomes that the people are partaking of in terms of the relationship between them are acceptable at that time right. or at this time. So meaning that if you have like a sum total of benefit, let's call it four, the sum, if you win the game, you will get four points. If you lose the game, you will get zero points. But now what do you call somebody who gets two and a half, right? And somebody who gets like one and a half. And so maybe the one who gets one and a half is happy because in other circumstances they could have had zero. You see, so what I'm saying is that when you come to a situation where it's a diplomatic relation, it is really a, a circumstance of outcomes. And this applies to anything, individuals too. Right. And so, um, I think I think, I think that kind of a I think analysis. That, that's interesting. That was interesting because uh, Fahim and I we traveled a couple of um, uh, we were at a, a couple of venues this uh, weekend. Yes. Venues? You would call them venues? No, not not, not that. that part. Yeah, we yeah we would call them <laughs> venues because we what I was referring to is uh, <laughs> yesterday we were at Columbia University. Yes. Uh, they had what's the event called? A mile. It was the uh, the eighth. Anniversary uh, commemorating the, the life of Sheikh Hassan Sise. It was like a Nasrul Ilm event. Um, and, you know, they had some various speakers. One of the speakers was um, who was also commemorated was uh, Imam um, Talib Abdul Rashid from the Mosque of Islamic Brotherhood in Harlem. Right. And But the, the main person was Sheikh Mahi Sise, um, who is. Um, is like the face of the Tijani Sufi order. Right. So um, there were a lot of, you know, notables. Uh, I think uh, 
uh, Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad from you know Muhammad's Mas, Mosque 7C in Brooklyn, um, the the former international representative of the Nation of Islam, uh, Akbar Muhammad was there, um, and some other you know like old school cats, right. you know, from the Dar Islam days, right. you know, w- w- was in attendance. So, so we were there, yeah. and then we were there yesterday. And then Thursday, we and Brother Amatika was there as well. Mm-hmm. We were at the uh, Brooklyn Historical Society. Yes. And there were also, again, uh, the, the, uh, Abdul Hafiz was there yes. was there as well. And um, so uh, Fahim and I, and even Brother Amatika, we were looking at those v- venues, those events. And uh, it, we noticed that it was interesting because they were sort of like a head of state kind of representation there so when you had when we were in the um uh, brooklyn historical society there was an elected official there you know and he when he left he, he had his entourage and then the the nation of islam brother was there and he had his entourage there and and there but the whole spirit of the event was sort of like i would say a, the, what you would call we always use the air quotes when we say progressive but right. there was sort of like a progressive muslim feel right. the african-american indigenous muslim uh, sentiment like that, uh, like that thing that you know we bring the things mm-hmm. <laughs> was it was like underrepresented in some sense. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to the uh, the uh, the joint at Columbia, yeah. again you had the Sheikh Sisi Sisi he definitely had his entourage. Right. Boom boom boom. The uh, the same Sheikh was there from uh, the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Again again they have their marching orders. And again, it was like the African American Muslim was—he was present, but he was not present in that sense. Right. Like you don't have diplomacy because you don't have policy because you don't have, you know, the homogeneous right. leadership. You know what I'm saying? So those, so those things were like noticeable. Right. So you, you felt know? like you're you're like at our event. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you're at our, you know, West African. Right, Senegalese influenced event. Right, I and so so saying. like the African American at one point yes. was the face of Islam. Right, you know, and so and with that face came with it a sort of a spirit of. I, you like that word revolution. Mm. I don't. I, I gotta find a better <laughs> word because there, there, there has to be that's my word, brother. But sovereignty or yeah, 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 yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's yeah. a different word, that, yeah. uh, Professor. You might know the right word, but right. Um, well. Um, it, sovereignty would be the word that, that implies kind of the state of being that you're looking for. Mm. Right. However, sovereignty is often applied to nations, or at this point, it's really applied to a belief system of individual who consider them of individuals in this particular society that that assume a certain status with regards to the greater macrostructure of the society. And they consider themselves a sovereign citizen, right? So, in the sense, they consider themselves a nation unto themselves, or right, relative to the general state, right, mm-hmm. right. And so that so that word sovereignty, in one sense, can be used in a in a context of um, quotes, let's say, right. And but then, mostly the time, sovereignty applies to sovereign nations, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, when it comes down to and and what it comes down to then is um, similarities. So, let's say you have a nation, and then you have things within a nation, mostly people, okay? And so what happens is that nations are not uniform. They're not homogeneous and made up of one ethnic group or one 
kind of people. You know, they may be predominated by one particular type of people, but it's made up of many things, many parts. And so, and in those multiple parts, there are multiple interests. And so, and that's where what you find is that um, they all have a common interest in terms of the benefit or their nation being beneficial or being, being let's say, uh, um, stable or sustainable in right. some way. Right, right. See, because, for example, if, if America, United States, which we are part of, um, were to have an energy crisis, no oil or food crisis, it would affect all of us. Right. You know, all segments of society. And so people cannot forget that they have a, a, a vested interest in the sustainability of the place of where they are. You know, a nuclear war would kill my family as well as the right. elite elite's family. I mean, the right. people who run the society family. And so the point I'm making is that that when um, this representation that comes down to, let's say, the Muslim community, which is a demographic of people you know, who have who espouse a certain belief in New York City, and the inclusion or exclusion of, of African Americans, it is a matter of how the multicultural elements within the Muslim community manifest themselves. And so, in a, and it was an indication of something. It was an indication of something. And so at that point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here right now because it, it really is the indication of, like, I was going to say the integrity of, of our people. Mm-hmm. Or not just our people, but of the people who con- constitute the, Islam, the Muslim society. And, in the, the, and, the con- and the integrity of the different ethnic groups that make up that Muslim society. And um, the fact that we were not represented there was really a result of um, a reflection of some of our lack of integrity as an ethnic group amongst the Muslims. And that lack of integrity was based on our family structure. And the the leadership's responsibility and accountability to, to providing for the families of that particular ethnic group. You see, because even though uh, there's a, a party line that says, or a fundamental line that says, you know, we are one brotherhood, and we are. We are one brotherhood in belief. We are really are that. But in terms of manifestation, um, that represents as an ideal. Mm. And, and um, in reality, everybody really takes care of their own particular group. And their own particular group each has almost like a collective mindset that is oriented in a certain way. Yes. And what happens is they have a dinner table and they have a family table and they have their small uh, group gatherings at which they discuss the benefit of their particular group. And many times they, they may, there is an attempt, like the Marjorie's, well, there's a, there is an attempt for us to join together our different groups. But, you know, I don't know how sincere it is, not to say it's, not, that's the wrong word, it's sincere, but I don't know how important it is, how prominent it is in terms of being a, de- a determining factor. Right. And so with the, with the African-American and, and, and our presence, what we did and why we did it um, was not represented really at all, really not at all. And um, You're talking about at the uh, Brooklyn at, Historical Society? At the, at the, at the Historical Society. It wasn't right. represented at all. I'm so what do you mean by what we did and how we did it or why we did it? Yeah, the reasons for which we did it. Okay, what, mm. okay. one observation of what we did, of, um, of African-Americans, indigenous Muslims in New York, in Brooklyn. Being our community. 
being my community. Mm, that's right. <laughs> okay, I, I, w- I would say that. What we did was embrace Islam. And the reason why we embraced Islam is because we were, we were seeking a platform of liberation. Liberation from what? Really, um, of self, in, in that of humanity. Right. See, see, one of the things that was taken away from African people of indigenous, from, of African descent, was um, our humanity. This was an example they could in in um in England was it? I forget, I don't know exactly where, but it, uh, the Belgium the Historical Society or the Belgium Museum, they uh, recently uh, renovated there. Right. They, they, you heard about it? Right. And they had the bust of the African. Uh, what is it? What's her name? Hepsep suit. Uh, yeah. Like um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Good. But the whole thing of it is, is that it, you know Leopold. Know that the leader of Belgium, who went there to Congo to colonize Africa, you know, through his whole initiative there, you know, they had a human zoo, right, right, of, uh, in which <laughs> the the African people, the indigenous people of the Congo, the Congolese were people, uh, were um, exhibits in the zoo. Yeah, so yeah. like like and hot so, and hot and tot. Yeah, 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 And so what happened is that um, so that's what when we became Muslim. And embrace Islam. We were seeking a version, of, not a version, but our humanity again. And see, because all humanity really starts from the belief that that there is only one God. And and for us, as we embrace Islam, that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And through that belief and faith, we began to build our society. It's almost like an organic cornerstone mm. with with which, which you, with which you begin to build with with which you with which you begin to build the edifice of your micro civilization or your contribution to civilization mm. and and that's what we were doing and many times it did not include us aspiring to work on Wall Street it did not include us aspiring to even vote mm-hmm. it did not include us aspiring to really be a part of the main running or structures and institutions of this society as we had we thought it was incumbent upon us to build new structures and right. societies and that's what is and that's is what it, is like. is it new is it like what what would you say by new what do you when we say new, new? when they like, see this is i'm going to say that it was an ideal it was almost like a romanization right mm. you know and uh of which the Islamic school was one of the first things that that, that came out of al Madras Islamia came out of that right and it, and really that 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 Islamic school was more associated affiliated with other schools that were founded at the time like the Uhuf Sasa school mm-hmm. um the Kush school um Waishashuli hmm? Waish, Waish, Waish was also came out of I, I, perhaps I, because right, right, right. that may it may have evolved to that right, name, right. and then other Islamic schools like that. Uh, like well, had Islamic a school, Institute, yeah, Islamic Institute, Al Karim, uh, Al Karim, mm-hmm. yes. See, because like uh, like the the uh, schools are institutions of power, the institutions of legacy, mm-hmm. where you're training the future, mm-hmm. and the people who who really invest in schools. Schools are passive organizations. They they're not really re- revenue generators, but they're revenue. Uh, absorbers, and and you know you will find that's why school people when they when they um, give donations like a fifty million dollar donation for the arts, 
like at Princeton, you know, they, they build an art center, you know, because that's where they house their ideas of their culture and their society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what they're doing. They're institutions of power. And so that was in, intrinsically understood by the, the African-American people who embraced Islam. They built schools to hand Islam off to their children. And so I'm using that as a, as a mentioning that we thought that we had to build our own institutions and own societies from the beginning, from scratch. Right. You see, and so, and so, in the, and of which schools was the first, in the uh, the first institutions that we could do, and other institutions were needed. Hospitals were needed. Food centers were needed. Recreation centers were needed. All those things were needed. Houses were needed. You know, and um, we we were just really weren't prepared to do that, in terms of um, understanding that it had to be done, understanding how it needed to be done, and understanding that we even we, the tools were already here. For us to use to do it, but like our mindset to separate mm-hmm. did not enable us to recognize that the tools were here, mm-hmm. and so and so that they, that led to what you would say us being separate and apart, and and other communities coming in seeking to become a part of the mainstream, right. partaking of those same tools that we ignored or neglected mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. Um, pa- political influence, so to mm-hmm, speak, mm-hmm. and political connection, connections and networking, so to speak. And um, they became a part of it, and they infused themselves throughout society. And now, you know, they, and from that position, they write the narrative. They write the narrative of the Muslims, because basically, because the African-American Muslims have, have separated themselves. Mm-hmm. We are still a reality. Uh, but our footprint is not very evident. And so, and our foot, and, and our narrative is unknown, and that was indicated there at that. At the Brooklyn Historical so, Society. So, so again, I think you know, excellent. Like the point again is that this system is going to perpetuate itself, and when you, as the immigrants, they come to gain access to that. As Fahim pointed out, so when you separate yourself from the system, you separate yourself. It's like almost erasing yourself from history, or erasing yourself from relevance, or taking yourself out of the race. Taking yourself out of the game. Yeah. You know, with the idea that you're going to build something that's comparable, or so, like yeah. it's almost insane when you think about it. That, especially America, because the way America doesn't uh, projects her power. Right. To think that you could build something that's even in some very a lot of ways antithetical to uh, you know because um, the a lot of the uh, rhetoric even of the revolutionary era mm-hmm. you know and a lot of this uh, Sunni Muslim um, uh, experience was shaped by like a sort of like a revolutionary spirit yeah, for sure very but so. it was definitely like so. warfare and right. that type of language you right. know. And so, and so I think even like when the '60s and and when America decided to like put that down <laughs> and said, "Okay, we're gonna knock that off," and boom, and so that left that whole kind of blow it uh, up. Yeah, that whole kind of mindset was like left out in the out out in the ether, right? You know, and so this new the the paradigm that the immigrants have picked up, where they're like, "Okay, we're gonna assimilate into the situation right. as immigrants do," like they that narrative is being projected as Islam. And I think that the African American is feeling himself left out of that. Right. Like you're like, okay, where's my where's my part of the story? Because I laid down the first 
schools. I laid down the first institution. Mm-hmm. I, I laid down a lawsuit so that you can mm-hmm. wear your hair, have your hair covered, or have your beard, and blah, blah, blah. So you or even created, my property. Or you created right. this environment where the immigrant Muslim can come in. And it's the same, it's the same kind of narrative with African Americans, generally speaking, and immigrants, generally speaking. Right. Like, we have laid down some groundwork like the heavy lifting right. and that individuals will come in and sort of like reap the benefits and but part I like I, I have the challenge like saying or I think what sometimes a lot of times uh, Fahim and I are like identified as being progressive right. because we're like um, we're looking to change somewhat the narrative so our predecessors sometimes okay you went down this path and you went full bore and there was never really like in a reassessment, like okay, this is going left. How do we, how do we reconstitute and readdress the situation so that we can, uh, you know, like you said, you have you create a school to educate people with the tools that they need to operate within the society and the framework structure that we're in. So if you were creating a a paradigm that didn't come into fruition because you were saying I'm separated from this and I'm going to make my own thing. If that didn't pan out, what are the instructions? What's the new instructions moving forward to those Great. to those to those to those people? Yes. Because that's where you know cats like myself, Fahim and others like we're like okay, no one's giving us any new operation, right. new new um new codes. And so we got we like sh- uh scrambling to put right. things together and then but the OGs are like that's not what we were saying. Right. But it's like you never really assessed the fact that what you were saying didn't work out, bro. Right. So it's like I can't do that or no one's willing to do that. And I think so, that I think it's, I'm sorry, Ruby, please. I, I was just saying that so what it seems like so the idea of going towards and pulling away into self-reliance has actually put you in some ways it seems like behind, decades behind. Decades. Because like you said, instead of taking advantage of the structural foundation that was already built and really in be, being creative and turning that something that you could use. So whether the institution might not intend for you to succeed off of this law or, um, or situation that's been put in place, but if, if you turn that, if you switch that, if you um, renovate that, if you, if you reconstruct that in the way that you can, then maybe you can use it for your benefit. And it seems like you just took yourself out of There's a, you the raised a great, game. great point. Because there's a book that's actually out, okay. uh, came out, I think, last year, The Limits of Black Economic Self-Sufficiency. And it analyzes, you know, the problems of that. Because, you know, the indigenous black American were like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're, we're, st- we're like a nation within a nation in a sense. You know what I'm saying? So, but at the same time, because this is the ongoing negotiation that me and Idris have been having for the past couple of years because, I, you know, we, we see structures that need to be utilized. Um, where I differ, I still kind of hold on to some of the spirit of the OGs. I still hold on to the... The revolutionary, <laughs> as you know, Brother Amitika said, you know, the liberation, you know, right. I still kind of hold on to, to that. Right. But I'm also, you know, I can also admit some of the uh, the false universals associated with that as well, you know, because 
um, we do, you know, kind of like look at, you know, black self-reliance uh, in a, like a very idealistic way. And we definitely, you know, we champion the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, champion the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and, and those particular models, which definitely had some use, usefulness to it. But within this paradigm of American capitalism and, and also the American political structure, like, you know, how do we how do we navigate that and what ways can we learn from you know is there is there a possible way to one as we do our reassessments can we negotiate that reality but but still hold on to certain particular ideals you get what i'm saying definitely i think uh, definitely i think definitely and you know the bright side of it right the bright side of it is that with those uh fundamental principles and teachings that you know we find and we uh come to understand from islam and what you know our teachers in schools and things try to uh impart for from us you know you can with that clarity of vision right and sound principles right benefit from this society because this society does have a two tiers, you know, especially for the African American, and that's where I'm always calling to a sort of a conservative disposition, right? Because when we, you know, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll don't mm-hmm. necessarily work for us, right? You know what I'm saying? And so the Muslim has been given a, a, a excellent uh, paradigm and example of like for that, because that is a lot of what some of what our parents, foreparents, uh, had to purify of themselves. You know, because mm. everybody was doing, mm. you know, 70s, 60s. You know, that's what took a lot of those revolutionary movements down is the the, the loose morality. You know, Black Panther mm, movement and this, that, and well, the other. Well, it's Definitely. not. It no, was the concentrated it, effort to destroy Listen, it. Yeah. If, I, if I put drugs in your community, the people who smoke drugs are going to get hit in the head. But if you but if you don't if you don't well do- this is no it's I mean to to put it so simply I think is doing an injustice it's not just if I put drugs in your community if I stress your community out to the point where your people cannot survive if I oppress you to the point where there's so much poverty it looks like there's no hope and then I inject five dollar drugs into your community to make you fly high and forget all that is going on. This is if not just it's not just a simple it's not just a simple let me no, just throw not, drugs please. into the community. Well, you know, one of the things I think, uh, from my personal opinions, is that we have to be very careful of the uh, devil made me do it excuse, you know, or or it's the white man, you know. Uh, Many times, you know, we we undermine ourselves, Mm. you know what I mean? There's things that... um, And, you know, don't get get me wrong, I'm not blaming the victim, you know, um, I didn't necessarily put myself on a slave ship or my asses, my the people in Africa didn't put themselves on a slave ship and they didn't uh, uh, willfully sign up like like a, a ride at Great Adventures, you know, to come to America in the bottom of a boat. You know what I mean? That 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 wasn't and, and everything that came with it. We didn't sign up for that, you know. And so I'm not saying that that's how we undid ourselves. But what I am saying that however however the creator has ordained that oppression for us. I tried the trial for our particular people. You know, it, it has happened. And now what, what, what must happen again is that uh, we must 
come up from it. And that is our responsibility. That's our responsibility. And so what happens is, yes, you know, drugs can undermine a people and undermine a collective. Yes, economic policies and, and governmental policies can undermine access and, and undermine what a community can do. Yes, you know, the bombing of a, of a community. Mm-hmm. You know, like what happened in Oklahoma and in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, this Oakland. this and, and this mm-hmm. is these are these are forms of genocide, forms of war, and and, and war <laughs> can destroy a people. And so, like these are realities that we must know and understand. But at the same time, like as we exist in America, you know, you have um, you have you do we do have access and and, and, and opportunity. That we 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 cannot deny, you see. And now, how we use that access and how we use the, these opportunities that are presently available, you know, is really up to us, you see. And it's not to say they don't come without their challenges. Like I recently, I speak to my children, and I say, you know, you really have to be able to deal with, um, you know, I'm gonna say the white man, you know, because like you know, as my like my father, you know, he used to drink, he used to drink. And um, because, like, he had a broken heart, you know, my father-in-law, you know, he had different physical ailments because he had a broken heart. And I see my, many of my brothers on the train, <laughs> you know, sleeping and, and, and dirty and, and, and disenfranchised, and I, I see broken hearts. Mm. And so why do I speak of these broken hearts? You see, because what happens is that, um, you know, these broken hearts come from an environment that denies access. And so when I said, I speak to my children, I says, you have to know how to deal with the white man. My, my daughter asked me, so well, how do you do that? And I said, you have to be beyond reproach. You have to be beyond pr- reproach. And what then, does that mean, to be beyond reproach? Well, what, what happens is that, you know, all the time there is an objective standard. And it's not necessarily the standard that is set by, 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 by the mankind or by the owners or by the policymakers of a particular uh, a system. So if you take the NBA, for example, okay. I'm taking a sport, right? You know, I've heard brothers who, who've come to the NBA who are very good and may have been better than even in the superstar athletes that were on, that, on the team, especially if they were white, Caucasian. And then, no, not to say them Caucasian brothers can't play. Some of them got some good game, you know? But the whole point I'm making is that, you know, if they, but if it's a choice between them and the brother, the, the new brother has to go. He doesn't get a shot. You know, because they they write in the policies of that system. But if it's something based on time, for example, based on time, like for example, like the marathon, I'm using that as an example. Like one of the first times, like when they had you know, a group of Africans when I forgot the, the, the I don't have the details of it. It was like maybe 2004, 2003, and they had about like five brothers <laughs> out there in the front, way out there in the front, and all of a sudden ABC, you know, they were doing it. They, they didn't film the winner. Their camera was broke. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. See, but the whole fact of the matter is these brothers were dealing with a standard of time. There's nothing that you can do with time. Right. You know, and so, and, and, and many times when you deal, when, and that's how you have to deal even in the world. See, when you have information and knowledge, the knowledge proves itself. Excellence, excellence, excellence acknowledges itself. It doesn't have to be acknowledged from the outside. 
And so, as I, as I told my children, you have to aspire for that for yourself. You have to love the learning for yourself. You have to, you have to manifest the professional vocation that you aspire to embrace for yourself. And you and, and like what happens is that in dealing with the, the, the status quo, so to speak, mm-hmm. they cannot be included in you defining your own mindset. I said they cannot qualify you. They cannot tell you that your creation is valid or not. They cannot tell you that your creation is beautiful or not. Because they, you, are, you are created equally as they were created. And so you're beyond them. And they have to take the lesson from you. That you are a created thing and it's you too that have to submit. And so and if they don't submit, that is their business. But them qualifying you is none, of, is none of their business for you. You have to look to your creator and then you have to go and deal from there. And so in that respect, I'm saying that, you know, we have that objective. To realize the truth and to actualize the truth within ourselves. And then when people come to you, because when you do that, It'll be very similar to how they're doing the Asian people now. We see the whole discussion with Harvard. And that, you know, they have the grades, they have the marks, they have the, the scores. But somehow, that excellent standard that they achieve is not. They're still, what, a boring student. And their acceptance to the Harvard learning community does not necessarily add anything to it. Because right. they're monotone, so to speak, in terms of their cultural contribution. People will say, what kind of stuff is that? See, but that's what will happen. See, they are beyond reproach, and we have to do the same thing. You see, because once you do that, it becomes almost like time. If you run the fastest time, you win. You know, if you have the, if you, if you have the mastery, <laughs> you win. I guess. You see, and, and, the only, and, what, and, what, and, what, and what the challenge then becomes, what the challenge then becomes is how can they keep you from that platform of establishing it? Okay, for example, now look, look. I use sports a lot, you know. <laughs> I use sports a lot, but why, I, but why is that? Well, you see, because it's like I'm trying to ask him. I was trying to get him to explain his uh, pedigree, right. track, track. But pro. I just, He's, uh, I mean, no. I just, I just wanna, <laughs> I just really wanna, I just wanna interject because I mean, yeah, it's there is a level of being beyond reproach. Meaning that your destiny, your destination, your determination is it it cannot be waved to or fro if you have a goal. Um, but too many times to- and I, it's not to blame the structures that be or blame or or provide, but it's really to provide context. Because being beyond reproach is not true. I mean, nobody's really beyond death, right? Nobody is out here being a superhero. Nobody here is invisible. Nobody here can block bullets. When, if you notice the the theme of, let's just say, even the people who are getting killed by police, it's very rarely an African. Why do you think that is? They're black. They're well, blacker. Amadou Diallo is not, don't count. Yes, that's, but that's Muhammad 19. Muhammad Ba. Muhammad Ba. But that, I'm talking about in recent, I'm talking about in recent terms with the Black Lives Matter movement, the people who are getting killed are black Americans. I mean, I think the Black Lives Matter movement is uh, probably highlighting uh, the deaths that they want to highlight to fit their political narrative because right. it's like a white guy gets killed by police black lives matter is not going to highlight that i mean 
I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into all of that, but. I mean, if I you mean, don't if you don't believe that black Americans are pulled over more frequently than anybody else by the police, and all you have to do is look up the records in the insurance companies. All you have to do is look up the police records. It's yeah, not see, just a coincidence. It, the whole point. But what I'm saying is you can't drive slow enough or fast enough or good enough to not be pulled over, to not be targeted by yes, the system. I, you're exactly so, right. But, and so the point I let me let me just qualify it. I should say beyond reproach of a of a system, of a, of, a, of a man-made system, so to speak. It's almost like you have that as much as possible, and it's very hard you know, to keep a, a, a universal standard that you have to live up to. And so it's almost like following the Ten Commandments, so to speak. <laughs> you know. And so if you do it, nobody can say you're wrong. You see, what, you see? What, we had a conversation with an OG yesterday. And oh, he, yeah. He, he was... You know, he started the conversation by pointing out the fall of grace for black people. Like, I used to feel a certain way about being black because uh, black people had carried themselves. They had a certain esteem, dignity, dignity about themselves. And that doesn't exist to, at, to, in today's present time. No. And his, you know, we shot him down. But yeah. but the whole, his whole premise was, like, within his language, the standards that he was... Uh, uh, looking to um, meet were all based on perception. Like they don't look at us like this anymore. They we were acceptable to them. Like they set the tone, and we were at some point trying to match that tone. And we were doing Leave It to Beaver, and that those were the good old days. And so he was kind of like dumbfounded as to why that those times are gone. Why black people no longer feel like they have to ascribe to the uh, standards set by the, 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 the powers that be. And so we point out, like, listen, Martin Luther King looked pretty nicely dressed when they killed him. Mm-hmm. And, like, those, and so did Mega Evers probably. He probably mm-hmm. had a nice suit on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, those ideals, those concepts, those ideals of all we have to do is make ourselves acceptable to them, to be given uh, our humanity, I think that that concept has fell apart and no yes. one is buying into that nowadays. This modern uh, 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 group of black people do not ascribe to that belief. But the problem that I'm having is that it's like, okay, we're going to uh, uh, disavow trying to find validation in this these standards. What are the standards that you set for yourself? Yes. And now what I'm having a problem with is the standards that we've been setting for ourselves are not found in or is not derived from anything like wholesome or anything rooted in cultural realities, like beyond like some real superficial kind of way. Like the kingdom of so-and-so, so-and-so, these are the rules and these are the principles that they establish. Like... So, our standards is so almost like a rebellious thing. Like if, like if those rules don't apply, we anything applies, or whatever I feel like applies. I, I rewrite my own rules. I'm right. gonna rewrite my own rules, and it's not really built upon Princi- civilizational principles. Right. Absolutely, no, not at all. It's like how I feel, right. or what I think, or what whatever. Yeah. And because, and it's weird because, all the while we're operating within the structure that 
to some point supports can support that nonsense. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you have people that are like all of a sudden like, I don't know, this baby was born, but I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Right. So all of a sudden that's confusing. Right. Right. And so you are allowed to be confused about that because that that society is not waiting on for you to make some crucial decision. Like you go ahead, you be confused about that. Right. I support your right and everybody's right to be confused about that. Right. They ain't worrying about you because right. you you confused about something that's a basic fundamental understood from the beginning of the time. You right. know, plants have male and female. Like plants ain't confused us. They be it doesn't exist. Doesn't support life. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Islam somewhat set a standard, like you said, uh, a, a, a cornerstone from which to build a civilization. So these guidance, yes, these are sort of yes. divine guidance. You accept the reality yes. that these are divine principles yes. from which you build your reality and you are called somewhat a fundamentalist because you say well these are fundamental rules and values that I'm not really willing to compromise because yes. I believe that compromising these undermines the success ultimately of this project that I'm working on and we and we move and it's been like I seen like almost a social engineering if you will of I'm just talking about our particular community right um um Yes, the indigenous black American Muslim community, but I'm talking about the African-American indigenous community as a whole, where we've embraced ideals that, you know, traditionally, you know, many of us fought against. Right. So, like, we, it's like almost like a hodgepodge of I could do what I want. And that has not been our tradition. Right. Our tradition has always been based on some type of standard or civilizational principles. I mean, the fact that many right, of our right, parents... Right who were, many of our parents, I remember I wrote something on an email, I sent it to a whole bunch of people. I was like, how come my grandma, my great-grandmother, who was Christian and didn't know about Islam, was not practicing ephah, was not Kemetic Hebrew Israelite or any of that stuff, how come they was together for 80 years? But I know, but I know that, quote-unquote, the white man gave Christianity, create, but... I can't keep my family together, but they could with less knowledge. You're so they had civilizational standards that we need to go back to. So we are also a victim of the same, you know, type of psychology, philosophy, um, you know, created by Europeans that says that you can do whatever you want that undermines the basis of family, but which they're, is, but, they're, but what they are suggesting for you to do, they don't do not practice that for themselves. They don't yes, that you see. So, yes. so, so for examples, their their daughters have, they treat their daughters with a sovereignty. Their daughters have a, a certain sovereignty and dignity that's expect that's expected of them, but that is guarded from the outside by the men. Yes, and that and that is and that is in, instructed onto them by by the by the women. And so much so, for example, even and and our community once had that because my my mother told me of that. My mother said, you know, you don't you don't go out there and mess with so some other man's daughter. That's not what you do. Yes. Even so much, my grandfather, you know, he was a big guy. You know, saying six foot five, and then worked in the lumber mill. Probably put the logs on the saw machine by himself. One thing he told the minister: Don't come to my house when I'm not there. When I'm there, you come, come on anytime you want. Come on, you see. But at the same time, he told his sons: You're not out there running around like you a horse in the in the pasture, looking for the next female in heat. That's not what you do. Come on. And so then, when a young lady come, father came to my uh, 
grandfather's house, Grandpa James, saying, you know, <laughs> it seems that you, your son is a, is a father of my daughter who's pregnant. And, uh, and he's saying, well, that's, that, that's not my baby. She said, I, I never been with anybody else. And so my, my, my grandfather said, okay, you know, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna let the baby come, right? And we're going to look and see. I mean, that's how they used to look at the baby and see. <laughs> and so what happened no was... No more <laughs> back in the days. No <laughs> right. DNA test. The DNA wasn't there. But, <laughs> but what happened was that, you know, it was my, it was my uncle, my uncle Freddie. You went them strong Morgan Childs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they tall and big nose. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. You know, when that boy came out, when that it was a boy, when he came out, my mother said, ooh. Like, <laughs> you know, they took down south. She said, ooh, like Freddie spit him out. <laughs> You think that you know that's a southern phrase? Like mm-hmm. he spit him out, and my friend, and and so that the the girl's father didn't have to say anything. His shotgun didn't even have to even be loaded. Mm-hmm. He had to deal with his own father's shotgun. He just turned to his son, "You gonna marry that woman?" And they went on and had about six six another another six sons. <laughs> you know, Freddie Junior. You know, that was Freddie Junior there, and then there was uh, Leroy and uh, James, and. It, Mm-hmm. On and on, but my whole point of it is that's a standard. Yes, you, you see it. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And 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 that and that and that father's daughter was honored in a certain way. So what I'm saying is that that kind of thing, from telling you know, from telling the minister to hold this place, and from the girls wearing dresses below their knee, and from them not doing what they want, moving like they want, and behaving like they want, you know, all that kind of like where, where is it, <laughs> you know? And and so and that's what I mean. Like they say, it's a free for all now. So even in church, you go there, you can see. Well, anyway, I'm not going to speak about that. That's not my. That's not my basis. But the whole thing mm-hmm. of it is, is that, um, you know, that's like a compromise of a standing, and 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 it's okay, it's okay. And so, but once you embrace that standard, like I said earlier, you know, if you follow the Ten Commandments, nobody can say that you're wrong. Muslims can't say that you're wrong by living by the Ten Commandments. No one part of them. Because the first commandment is basically a commandment of Tawheed. And the rest of it is telling you, not, not, and the last one is not to covet your neighbor's wife and, man's, and, and, and his property and whatever else he owns. And then it talks about hostility or, or envy. That's what that last one is about. And then there's the whole spectrum in between, not stealing, not being false witness. And so basically the Ten Commandments are almost like, almost like you might say degrees of ability to build a civilization. And so when they take those degrees from you, you have no ability. Hmm. You see, and so in in embracing of Islam, that's what I'm going to say African-American men in particular were embracing. That's what we found. That's what we still have found. Now, we're at another gate where now we have to take that recipe and we have to integrate that ingredient to make a a societal cornbread, so to speak. A society, a, a cornbread that we can eat off of and build off of. And all the institutions will be in there, not just an Islamic school, but also hospitals, and also food centers, and also recreation centers, and also learning centers. And all these things are inside of that. And quiet is kept, they already exist within the society. So what will happen is that we will become propagators, progenitors, to to uphold and to build the society and to make it better. You know, I just think that it's just such an interesting reflection right now. You know, there's the, the, we talk about the, or it has been talked about in this show, 
the the old school of, of of separating yourself and doing for yourself and i do think that in a way we're getting back to that actually you know with this entrepreneurship push that we're seeing um if we look at um things like the statistics for women black women in entrepreneurship is the fastest growing mm -hmm. sect of entrepreneurship in america mm -hmm. and you know and, and it, i just think it's so interesting before the fastest growing sect of the only time we ever heard of black of the black woman was the fastest growing receivers of HIV. I feel like that was the big thing in the 90s, right? But now the the fastest ones and the the ones who are going to college the most, they're the ones who are opening up their businesses the most. They're the ones who are really taking the the idealism of capitalism and and putting it to themselves and saying yeah you know what I am going to own it I am going to do it I am competent and I'm going to achieve it on my own and then there is this other side of this 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 push this lean to still can can keep within these confinements are you talking about confinements like the confinements that I talked about? Do you, do you are you implying that they limit and inhibit women? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. I am. I I I I, I ask you, Fahim. Mm -hmm. Like, what in the eighty years that mm -hmm. you know your grandparents were married? Mm -hmm. You know, how happy was your grandmother? Well, How much you know, and I don't you know. You no, don't no, I, no. The I, details or well, it's it's not my particular grandmother. But my my friend's grandmother was uh, married. They were married for eighty years, and I know a couple of people, quite a few, you know, from the south, um, where um, you know their parents were together for years. I mean, like decades. And my friend's mother, my friend's grandmother, you know, before she passed, he asked her like, you know, like, what do you like how how come you and you know daddy why y'all been together so long? She said we uh, pray to prayer. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And she, you know, and you know he's Muslim and his parents, his grandparents are Christian. He said prayer, but it wasn't so much a discussion of faith. It was a discussion of standards. You know what I'm saying? So with the African American woman entrepreneurship. You know there are standards that has to be set in place for these sisters to go ahead and move forward and. So what, what, I think the underlying basis, I think what Brother Amatika and think what we're talking about is that there has to be standards for excellence and within standards and morality and morality. But the standards for so, excellence always seem to sacrifice at the end of the day, the black woman, because when I've heard these stories of mm -hmm. these black women who have been married for men mm -hmm. in the South for decades, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the other part of the story that I hear is, and this is a story that someone very close to me mm -hmm. said, I was engaged to a girl mm -hmm. and she came from a family and in this family her mother and her father were married and her father stepped out on her and her father mm -hmm. not only stepped out on her mother mm -hmm. her father stepped out on her mother and moved the mistress across the street mm -hmm. but her mother was not going to lose her place mm -hmm. as the ownership of all of Absolutely. his um i'm very familiar and, with the and, same story right so and so the mistress is living across the street but Absolutely. you're still holding the title a very close friend of mine who lived with me her grandfather and her grandmother right. were still married to that day but he was living with a different woman for yes. the past 20 years but she was not going to let go of yes. that title of mrs right because that let go of 
anything to his retirement because he had that good government job. Any any entitlement to um, the security or breaking up of the home because yes. now we would have to split the home and where was I going to go? Because that was you know his mm-hmm. name was on the deed, mm-hmm. not my name. Mm-hmm. So you're creating a situation where you're asking women to take the bigger sacrifice, to take the bigger L, so that you can keep the moral standard, mm-hmm. so that we can keep the family structure in line. Right. That's not at all what I'm saying. That's not what all what he's saying either. What no, but talking- I'm saying but when you guys compare that to the past, when you're when no, you no, want no, to compare no, no, it to no, these no, idealized no, no, days. No, let me I'm just not talking about idealize anything. Let me well, get well, she, well, she's taking off her sweaters. No, yeah, no, no, I'm not no. talking about idealize <laughs> anything. It's what about talking, to go down. Yeah, well, what I'm talking about is well, that I'm talking about standards, period. Because I am not oblivious to what happened. I know about those stories. I have those stories in my own family. Right. But but, this, but but the fact is that the fact is a standard must be in place for all civilizations. You cannot deny that. So the fact that the standard the needs fact, to the fact change. that the fact that according to whom? I mean, that's what I I'm mean, saying. But, the, listen, the, the, but even even I mean, we're all aware of those I, type of absolutely. situations. But those situations, yes, yeah, she's correct. The absolutely. standard does have to change. Those are not. No, I'm not. That, I mean, right. Those are prob- Those are problem conditions that. Where people, I don't think that those were standards. Exactly, set. those are those were standards. When you, if you aired that out and took yes. that to some, yes, uh, you know, there's no authoritative absolutely community who allowed that to go on. There right. needs to be some counseling. Absolutely, that's that, that's a problem. Absolutely, I don't think that that was ever set as a standard. Right. For, uh, for people, people but, know of those conditions. Absolutely. No, but, but that was that. But they were kept. Where they were keeping the standard alive, right? So I'm keeping the structure of the family together. Yes. Above anything. But what you're doing is you're destroying your child. And so what I'm saying yes, is like that, I'm not saying that the no standard your, your, should exist. Your child, your child isn't the female child. Well, okay, I'll just talk about the incident specifically where uh, the, the, the the mistress girl, girl was across child's, the street. Right. Yeah. So he. This person was then engaged to this woman who was the product of this relationship. Mm-hmm. He's engaged to her. They're getting ready to get married. All of a sudden, he's looking through her stuff. Yeah. Looking through her email. She had done something off that caught his eye. She had been engaged engaged in a long-term affair this whole time while at the same time getting him to commit. She was basically Doing reproducing the cycle yes. of her father. Yes. So what we so the the integrity I think mm-hmm. and, and that's what I think is a better word. It's not the structure, it's the integrity of the relationships in the communities that you are developing. And not only to have the integrity, but also have the flexibility for them to change with the time. I don't think I that agree. one has to exist without the other. I, there's no I don't think that you can have you don't have to you don't have to sacrifice the family. You don't have to and your family can be how you see fit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you need the community to grow the community mm-hmm. like there's no you can't just have this separate uh, just me and i'm what are you going to do mm-hmm. i don't disagree well, with what you just said there's you, no disagreement what you, your 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 points are, are um are very are very valid you know and um and and it really brings us to a a, a a gate of a, of a much larger discussion of mm-hmm. relationships between you know the men and women, and, and when you start talking about um, uh, moral guidelines, you know what are the guidelines that you that you use, and and 
and, and how and how will they be equitable, so to speak? And like um, you know, and when you, you when you invoke religion or as as a basis of moral guidelines, then you know, and the next thing that comes is is, is things of hypocrisy, so to speak. And um, and so it it, it just it's just a, it's a platform for a bit, for a bigger discussion in terms of the realities of the organic reality of how it can manifest. And but what I'm really uh, alluding to is is um, not to exclude that, but to really come to that uh, gate and to to work with it and to see how it will, how it will manifest in our lives in a conscious way. And so, but but at the same time, you know. Um, <laughs> We're we're at a, we're at a position now where it's just like I think it's like we're more more like towards chaos and it's random and just do what you want. Right. And um, what what happens is um, like the 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 black man, the African American man in America, is um, is really still out of position in a lot of ways. Even if he even if he is, so to speak. Enfranchised within society in a certain way, man, he might have a gainfully employed job. You know, may have benefits, can retire, has a nice home, provides for his family. You know, and like you know, there there is a, a sect of society, a, a, a sect of, of of us that that have that. But then at the same time, you know, I think we uh, constitute you know a major part, a major portion of the uh, incarcerated individuals in in New York. You know, a disproportionate amount. Let's say that. Disproportionate. Disproportionate amount, and um, and that whole, the whole disenfranchisement posture, is not to negate what you're saying. Absolutely, but, but it is to say that, that it is a posture of um, of sovereignty, which is also, you know, a, a, a conflict, a conflict platform. Right. See, because what happens is that you know to be out of position as a group. Is a matter. It's a matter as a group, and, to, and for your group to 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 be in a, in a state of suffering or disadvantage, is really an outcome of war. Really, it's really mm. an outcome of war, and and really these are just some of the second consequences of it. And um, but um, yeah, we are in a, like as you implied, as you said, not implied, but said specifically. You know, we're in a new defining where that African African American women and women of color are, are really are, you know, really are manifesting and exercising themselves. You know, you know the, and it really is can counter to what I say is a construct that maybe the world over has. You know, by uh, saying that women are some somehow second class citizens right. in, in whatever way, and constantly, time and time again, they manifest otherwise. Even in the creation of a law, you know, in terms of the in terms of the female animals, because ultimately they're the first teachers. Right. And if they didn't teach well, <laughs> then the perpetuation of that particular gene or, or created gene pool um, species, so to speak, uh, would not continue on. And so, you know, the females are, the women are, are the warehouses of information, knowing, culture, and, and really preservation. And so that is not argued. And now the relationships that exist between men and women, it's such a big, bigger discussion that, you know, I'm not going to dare imply I have all the answers. But I do know that um, sincerity is, is, is a part of it. And, you know, and sincerity to see yourself and to acknowledge your own faults and your own shortcomings. But at the same yes. time, but both for you to for for both of you to aspire and to submit to 
to Allah and to both be servants of Allah equally with equal responsibility to serve Allah. And so this is um, something that I'm going to, you know, stay and, and maybe try to finish with because I think we probably have to be coming. Yes. And it's definitely part of a larger discussion. Larger discussion. I'm very, very ready for it. So. As I am too. <laughs> Shots <laughs> no, <but I> fired. <laughs> no, I just, it's really, you know, I just want to say at the end of the day, I, I really just would love for people to lead with integrity and loyalty. You know right. what I mean? Like, if you're going to commit to somebody, if you're going to commit to a principle, commit to it and commit to it with integrity. And then lastly, compassion. Yeah. yeah, so you know, so go ahead and so, just wrap I mean, it up. I know you have I mean, this is a very, very no, this is a very um informative. I, I only wish we could, could uh go on longer. I'll have to, we'll have to make sure the next episode is comes around a lot quicker. Um, again, we'd like to thank our old guest, Professor. <laughs> brother, my man, brother Amatika. That's put, like my uncle, man. Put, put that in quotes, my man. Professor Amatika Morgan. Morgan, you know, thanks for stopping by, being part Chronicles. Yeah. Fahim. Thank you for having Mr. me. Mr. Morgan, yeah. Uh, and uh, this is episode two. Yeah. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys on the flip side. Yeah, and come out to Abu's, always. Oh, yeah, always, Final of message. course. Abu's Bakery. Abu's Bakery. Get your bean pie. 1184 Fulton. Happy Abu's birthday, Amir. The Bean Pie Chronicles is sponsored by Abu's Bean Pie Company, located on 1184 Fulton Street, Brooklyn, who reminds you, when you're craving that perfect bean pie, choose Abu's.